Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wednesday Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How's everything? Everything's going really good, man. And, you know, we have a lot of topics to get into tonight as, uh, as usual. And, you know, we're going to get into some some thoughts on um, some, some NFL topics. Um, also, uh, thoughts on the Manny Pacquiao fight and a couple of album reviews. And, and for, for next week, guys, look, look, we know you're expecting the the Donda, the CLB review, but, but we got to give some time. Savon, we, we, like, like, we both agree. We got to give some time. We, we, we got we to let you guys wait. We had to wait nine months for the album. I think you guys can wait like a week for the review. I think it's a fair trade. I think it sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into those topics uh, next week um, in, a, in a full lengthy review. But to start off with just thoughts on Cam Newton's sudden release from New England and early expectations for, for Mac Jones, his rookie season. Um, this past Tuesday morning, um, the Patriots released Cam ahead of the deadline um, for teams to cut to cut their rosters down to 53 players. And um, both Newton and Jones played well in the second pre- preseason game against the Eagles, having just extremely efficient performances. And ever since August 23rd, when the Pats announced that Newton had to, you know, stay away from the team due to a misunderstanding about COVID tests, um, there was a confusion about if he violated a team rule. But what are kind of your initial thoughts on Cam being released and just how um, Mac Jones can do in, in Belichick's system um, his rookie year and, just the coaching pedigree he's already been able to learn from under, under Saban. You know, it's crazy. I, it, it came as a surprise and shock to a lot of people, probably not anybody in the Patriots organization. But for yeah. me, as a, you know, a, a spectator, a guy who loves the sport of football, it came out of surprise. Cam Newton was being released. He looked good in preseason. Yes, he had an interception the third yeah. game. Second game was eight for nine, 103 yards. 11, 11 yards average, had a touchdown. I mean, he had he was showing signs of 2015 Cam Newton. I think it was other reasons. They said something about him not wanting to be tested or have the vaccination. I understand NFL is breaking, you know, cutting down on the, the BS and trying to make sure everybody is safe. Um, but I thought it was a move that came unexpectedly. I do think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I think the system that Bill Belichick has or they have – for him, I think he would be good. He had a passer rating over, I think it was 97.6, 388 pass yards through the whole preseason. No interceptions, which is really good for a rookie quarterback. But yeah. that, I think they're asking for a lot for him um, going in. And now his talk is, was it Bill Belichick? Was it, uh, you know, Tom Brady who won all those championships? Mm. Or was it Bill Belichick? You know, it's, I think it's so much on the Patriots organization and media is trying to kill them. I think cutting Cam Newton was just adding fuel to the fire, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a long-term plan, too, for Belichick, because a lot of times we question, like, hey, why is he making this decision? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is what is the, the end goal? Like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where with Belichick, when you have a coach like that, even though it may cause an uproar, because Tuesday morning there was a major uproar when, when, that, when it was announced, but do you feel as though it's one of those things where Belichick just kind of has this thing mapped out to the point where even if it looks crazy on the outside and – in, inside the Patriots camp, he knows what's going on and, and is, is just settled with the plan they have going forward. I believe so. When you look at a guy who failed as a head coach with another organization and it took some years to be successful with this organization and out of the amount of success he has had in this organization, you want to think whatever Bill Belichick is doing is going to work and you have to believe in the system that he has. Maybe they saw something in Mac Jones and there was a you know some twisting variables to release Cam Newton vaccination being one of them 
But I think they saw something in Mac Jones that really resonated not just with the offensive line or the players, but with the coaches, the the, the upper management, the the you know crowd, yeah. the owner. So it, it goes down the pipeline. I think it's going to be interesting. Now you don't have a, a good backup. You would you have Stidham? Stidham, we we see what he can do. Nothing. You don't have a, a consistent backup. Now you, your eggs are all in one basket with Mac Jones. What if he get injured? Now you have to go shopping again. So I, I, I do think it's all in his plan. But whether that plan is successful or not, we, we have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now just transitioning to the Saints announcement of Jameis Winston starting, just how the team can still stay relevant in the NFC. Um, earlier this week, Sean Payton made this official announcement, and he mentioned, you know, Winston's ability to move the offense and score points at a high clip as, you know, to why he beat out Taysom Hill. Um, but in terms mm-hmm. of just like what we like, like what we know from Jameis Winston and, and how he can generate o- offensively, but, you know, still have a strong tendency for ton- turnovers. Like how do you think he can perform this season in Sean Payton's system? Uh, he surprised me. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I, it's, it's my fault because we, I think a lot of people, a lot of spectators, analysts, whatever you may call them, have forgotten this guy was the number one draft pick. This guy won a national yeah. championship in, in, in with the Florida State. He was the top dog in college. <laughs> he was the top dog. I think we gave up on Jameis way too soon. Yes, he had a lot of interceptions, mm-hmm. but he's one of the slim many of quarterbacks who threw over 30 touchdowns in the season. Yep. So why I'm not surprised. I'll just I'm surprised that he's excelling as much as he is, as fast as he is. Because all we see is the follies, him falling at Kim, mm-hmm. him not being able to speak in, with the media properly. But the guy can still play football. So he's the better quarterback. I think he's better mobile, even though Taysom Hill is, is a mobile quarterback as well. He does most certain things. But I think they can, they're going to use Hill in other positions as they have in the past and let Jameis be the number one quarterback. I think it was a great choice by um, by the organization, especially Peyton, I mean, Sean Payton. So I think Jameis is ready for it. They have the tools around him. Yes, Thomas is still holding out, want to be traded, whatever, whatever. I think they still have the tools to be successful. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, it, they're also in, you know, they're in the same division as this, the defending champs and obviously Tampa Bay is, is still deemed to be at the top. Like, do you feel as though when, when especially you've taken a fall from, of having Drew Brees and being at that at that position, do you feel as though it's one of those things where Sean Payton, like he knows he's going to have to like measure the expectations and have them be more, obviously they want to be at the top and still be competitive, but do you think he's going to have like a different like just strategy and mindset to, to get them going since like they're, they're not the same, same team that they were last year, but they also have to realize that they can still possibly be a playoff team? You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be different without Drew Brees. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think they're going to rely on their running game even more now. And you mm-hmm. look at the guys they have in the running back room. You have Alvin Kamara, of course. You have Devontae Freeman, who's who's. I mean, he's had injuries when he, last team he was played with New York Giants, but he still has the ability to create space, be a a, a good guy who could block and come out the backfield and catch the ball. Uh, you have another guy, Latavius Murray, who was once a uh, great back with uh, the Vikings. But they're going to rely more on the running game starting off. Alvin Kamara is is going to be the guy. He has to be the guy. Get yep. James back into the swing of things. The defense is going to do their jobs. Front seven is crazy over there, led by my boy Cam Jordan. I'm, I'll, I can't say nothing about Cam Jordan, but I think the offense is going to be heavily a run-style offense. 
And I think that was what it was when Drew Brees was there. When they couldn't get things started, they utilized Alvin Kamara a lot. But I think that's going to be the game plan going in. And then they'll let James come and open up the playbook and let him, you know, do certain things because we know, we've seen, he can throw some interceptions and it'll want him to do that. So I think they're going to ease him into it and rely on the running game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now it's interesting to just, if the Browns can still be a top tier AFC team or, or will there be, you know, any signs of regression um, for Cleveland, you know, they're coming off of an 11 and five season and the team's first playoff win since 1994 and also had the addition of Jadavian Clowney this off season to a one-year deal worth up to uh, 10 million. But with them being an ascendant franchise, like, do you feel as though this team can stay at the contender position? You, you know, they have Odell coming back, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the addition of Jadavian Clowney, just in, in terms of like what, what they're bringing to the table for this season, following up a playoff win. Um, do you think this team can go even further than what they did this year um, compared to just the, the just upstart success with a new coach and a, and a very successful season? You know, it's, you know, I'm on the I'm on the field. I'm on I'm on the fence, fence. about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a couple of things that has to happen for them to be able to either contend for the Super Bowl or win their division or what the keep of the law. One, they have to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Davion Clowney has a history. That has to be stated first. <laughs> has to be. They have to be completely healthy. Jarvis Landry's had some injuries. Baker Mayfield has been okay in his in the mm-hmm. first couple seasons. We all know OBJ has injuries. Miles Garrett gets banged up here and there. They be, start a linebacker, get banged up here and there. They have to be completely healthy to be contending for anything. Contending just to get on the football field, to be honest with you. <laughs> but the next big thing, Baker has to play perfect. Baker likes to force things, and he averages an interception a game. If he really is behind, if you really try to give him the ball and try to make him win, you have two interceptions. Baker has to play perfect. Everybody else is good to go. Running game is going to be there. Nick Chubb is going to be there. They have the backup. They have the great, the, the decent offensive line. They have the DBs. They have the wide receiver core. They just added David on Clown. He still has some juice left. He looks, looks euthanized. <laughs> That's not the right word. Thing, but you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, word of the day. <laughs> oh my! Oh wow! <laughs> word of the day. No, but Baker, it's all okay. Yeah. No, no. The thing I was saying was, I feel as though that's really that's where the 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 switch was was just flipped because when when they relied more on the running game than let Baker play, just have him play mistake free football. That's where things just started to accelerate. Once it at the beginning when Baker was started playing there, it was more so like let him, you know just set the tempo and it may be more pass heavy. And that just wasn't working for them. But I really feel as though, like you said, like the run game establishing that and, and Baker playing mistake free football is where it's really going to start for them. That's, that's the key. I mean, yeah. if, oh, and, and them being, you know, completely healthy. I think they have one of the top five best wide receiver cores mm-hmm. in the league. That's from tight ends to wide receivers. They have the, they have the people around them. And they have a great running game that will allow the play action to be super successful. But it, Baker has to be perfect. Baker can make throws. Baker can do certain things, but he forces those things where they're down. They get down real early. And then they have to come back, and the running game is not existing. Yes, they use Nick Chubb and the, the passing game with screens and catch it out of the backfield. But still, their MO is running. Nick Chubb was drafted for a reason. Yeah. So, they have to play. Baker has to be completely perfect, 
and then they have to stay healthy. And then yes, they can they can make it to the playoffs. They I don't know oh, yeah. about winning the Super Bowl, but they can make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and speaking of playoffs, like this, like three of the teams. I mean, uh, uh, the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns—they all made the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and it's—it's it's always a pack, and it's been a packed like division. Like, do you think like this is still going to be one of the most competitive competitive divisions this year? Because all three of these teams definitely have aspirations, and and especially the Ravens to to get to the to the postseason and make uh, deep playoff runs. Oh, for sure. And yeah. With, I think the Ravens has put them put themselves in a great position to go and try to get a Super Bowl. They fell short. Both mm-hmm. years, obviously. Yep. But I think they're, they continue to put themselves in positions to be great. I think the Browns, if healthy, can put themselves in a position to be great. I, th- those are the two I love the most, the Browns and the Ravens, because, not, you know, it's been a while since the Ravens won the Super Bowl and the Browns. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I want to see the Browns be successful because they have they, they paid enough money. They got enough first-round draft picks. They've been, you know – they have the tools to be successful, but I, I think this is going to be football, man. I love a conference who have multiple teams that are really, mm-hmm. really, really good. That can yeah. really go the distance. And, you know, this conference is no different. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 I, and I completely forgot to mention, we're having the, the opening weekend of college football is, is now set in place. And there, mm-hmm. there are some pretty marquee games. I mean, the Clemson-Georgia one obviously stands out. You have Alabama-Miami, Penn State-Wisconsin. Um, you know, we've got to talk about how your Gators are going to get back in <laughs> into contention because because you're the spokesperson for the Gators. But w- what are kind of your initial thoughts on the opening weekend and just like, you know, even even with Oklahoma and with, with what they have, like they're number two, like extremely high rank um, with, with Spencer Rattler and, and what he's going to bring to the table. Like what are kind of some of your like just some some takeaways or, or some things you're looking forward to for this opening season or for, for this season and opening weekend? I'm the, the game looking at the most. Well, there's two games. I'm looking at Alabama and Miami, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking at those two games for multiple reasons. I'll start with Alabama and Miami. Alabama, for the first time, even though they're number one, they are being doubted. Yes, heavily. Doubted. Doubted. Crazy yeah, thing. Rarely hear that word for for them. Rarely. I want to see the offense move the ball with eloquence. I want them to be perfect. We're perfect enough for college football. They have the first, they have the five star. They, they're inexperienced. I will give you that. They're inexperienced, but they have the talent. They have the stars. They have all the other ingredients to, to make a perfect little girl. Kim Glenn. <laughs> 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 But they have the right ingredients to make a national championship team again, right? Yeah. When you look at Miami, everybody thinks Miami is back. The yeah. Eric looked good last year. He had a, a high, you know, his percentage rating kind of kind of went low, but yards over, you know, 10, 20 yards. But I think their defense is really good. They're small, though. They're, yeah. they're, their linebackers are small, but I think they can contend. I think the defense look good. I think. Eric shocks some people. I do, but I think Alabama wins. Obviously, I just want to see those teams step up to the plate, especially Alabama, because it's the first year in many years people are doubting me, even though they're number one. And then you look at Georgia. I don't even know why Georgia's ranked so high. I, that was that really caught me off guard. Like, because I know that's a marquee matchup, but still, I don't think they're in the class of where where, where Clemson's going to be this season. No, and they. You know how many people they have hurt? Georgia. 
Oh they have goodness. so many people it's hurting endless. for this game. So I don't even know why. You know, but I, people think that may be a game that looks better on paper than it actually is. Yeah, especially when you have multiple star players that are injured. And yeah. then looking at Clemson, I mean, they haven't, they're not, they're starting where they started last year. They were really good last year. Mm-hmm. And all I did was bring in the quarterback who actually played, played really good against Notre Dame. We forgot about that. Yeah. So Clemson looks good. I mean, they lost, obviously, but he's a, he was a freshman. He was a true freshman. And most, and most people say he looked better than Trevor Lawrence in practice on most days. So that's really sense because Trevor Lawrence was, was bred for the NFL. And we're going to see that this year. But, yeah, those are the two games I'm looking for. Um, I want to see what Georgia does. Everybody thinks Georgia's going to win the, 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 the playoffs. I don't know why. They have, like, 30,000 players hurt already. So, <laughs> But it doesn't count against them. They can still win the SEC East and then go yeah. to the SEC Championship and still be able to. So they're still a contender to actually go. But Even with a loss. Yeah, especially yeah. the ACC team. Definitely. Um, and, and now transitioning to boxing and just thoughts on Manny Pacquiao's loss to, to your Dennis Ugas and, and what's next for Pacquiao this late in his career. Um, for his most recent fight, he lost to Ugas in a unanimous decision um, in the w, WBA title. And um, Ugas has a 27-4 and record now, and this was also Manny's second, uh, 72nd fight. And Ugas used just an, an imposing double jab and big advantage in size, reach, and youth to perform one of, you know, boxing's, uh, to outperform one of boxing's most legendary fighters. And Pacquiao is also considering a January rematch with um, the new welterweight champ, Ugas, and still has a strong strong desire to fight. But what are your thoughts on this loss for Pacquiao and just what can be could be next for him? Because he's obviously had an illustrious career, but there also is the question of, you know, is he, go- is he going too far and, and does he need to eventually just, you know, hang up the, you know, uh, hang up the, the gloves and start to consider things outside of boxing? You know what's crazy? I think that's why he's still in boxing because he's thinking about because yeah. he's a senator to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So I think he's boxing to bring money back to the country. I think that's his whole ordeal now. He's not the same Manny Pacquiao who's been knocking out guys for a long time who look right. actually decent against Money Mayweather. He's not the same boxer. I think. Yeah, people forget he actually was. He was. He, he, he was, wasn't a blowout in terms of a fight. Like he was. He was hanging in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Manny Pacquiao has the name that rings through boxing. It's going to be his legacy is going to reign through for, for many, many years. But I think right. he's boxing for the monetary, you know, for his country, which is mm-hmm. which is noble, which is which is really dope. Before your career, bro, just hang it up. Try to find another way to bring money in, because after a while, people are not going to want to pay money to see you box and lose. Because that double yeah. jab, boy, 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 that Goodness. double jab was getting up. Was eating him up. He, I mean, he still looked kind of quick, though. He still looked good. Yeah. I mean, he still was moving really good, but man, it just wasn't his day. Yeah, and, and, and that is and that is one of the biggest takeaways because he, like, in terms of just how you look at at at, at Manny Pacquiao's legacy, like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where, for a lot of times, some fighters are are, are they're picky about the the fights they choose. They don't want to just they don't want to fight you know certain fighters because they may hurt their record. But Pacquiao, like. To me, and, and in terms of like my opinion, he has always been willing to fight any fighter, even if it does damage his record. And I feel as though that's another thing that that makes him very respected. Like, do you think that's another attribute of Pacquiao that people can really admire? Just him willing to fight anybody at any time and any point of his career. You one might say that's you know you know that side of the coin. Others say maybe he's desperate. Maybe mm, he just wants to true. stay stay you know relevant. 
in the boxing world because there's a lot of new fighters that come in and out and making a name for themselves. And, you know, you can look at it on both sides. I think when it comes to many people want to fight a legend. It's like yep. when Oscar De La Hoya kept coming back or when Money Mayweather kept coming back after retirement. People want to fight a legend. People want to fight the best. He's not the best, don't get me wrong, but I think he's a legend in boxing. And people want to see how good they are versus a legend. No, he's not at his top tier, but I think... I mean, Because he, he was supposed to fight Errol Spence Jr. Yeah, and that, yeah. I, I forgot why they fell through. I, I think, think it was I mean, it was a, it was like a shoulder injury or something like like Spence he Errol Spence he had a, like an injury before that just kind of kept him from actually being able to go on with the fight. Was it? I thought it was his eye. It might have been his shoulder. His eye? Okay, I may be wrong about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, either or he he, he didn't fight. Him. He, he couldn't but fight. I, <laughs> I think he, he. I think the first I would say the first five rounds. I think Manny Pacquiao was doing a good job as defending against Yugis, but after a while you get frustrated. You're trying to figure him out. You're trying to play chess. He's, he's right in front of you. He's not playing an angle. Like, it's it's hard to, you know, adjust to certain fighters, and I think that's the reason why he lost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, transitioning now to our album reviews, and to start off with um, West Side Guns, Hitler Wears, Hermes 8, um, Sincerely Adolf, and just thoughts on the underrated aspects of his artistry and flow. Um, you know, his latest album from, um, from last Friday was just really one of his most impressive efforts, as there's been, you know, as there's beats in there that are, easygoing hooks that really deliver um, infectious melody. And even in a song like Draymond, where there's a hard-hitting, you know, old-school hip-hop beat, he's still delivering um, solid, ambitious verses. And um, some of the features he had, especially when it comes to Lil Wayne, who over a Griselda-style beat just delivered a lot of focus, confidence, and grit. Um, you, you could just see just so many different elements in, in put into that. And this is like an album for me that I definitely will go back and listen to a lot, because I feel as though there are just a lot of tracks where Westside really delivers and the features work just so well in this project. But what are your thoughts on this album and just thoughts on how West Side Gun just shows the ability so well to take a man of beats and find vivid ways to describe the in and outs of everything he goes through? Solid. Yeah. Solid. Very solid. Very, very, very confident. Yes. And very That's confident the vibe I got. How, yeah, very confident how he raps, how he delivers. He's not indecisive or he was trying to figure out a flow or rhythm or trying to figure out a melody. He was like, you can tell he went in there and got it done. The production was dope. I think it was, I think it was a nice body of work. Um, I like the concept. Who, 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 who names their, their, uh, a mouthful. Yeah, the words Hermes. I mean, um, the cover art, the cover art is very menacing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. What um <laughs> what happened to you to name that? I mean, it's label. I don't know if you saw it. They probably was like, huh? You definitely got to sell it to this. <laughs> you you did not release it until you sell it to this. Well, I think it was a great body. I think it was good. I think it was dope. I think the costumes were there. I think the confidence was there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was solid. Yeah. Did Did you have any any favorite tracks on on this one? Uh no. I can't say I had. I did. I mean. I listened to it one time and I was like, okay, he's 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 cold. He's I like his flow, I like his delivery, I like his concept. Yeah. His confidence is was one the one thing that stuck out to me. Um because you can tell oh, how somebody raps or if somebody is confident in what they're rapping. And if it sounds mm-hmm. like okay, I just put this on here just because. But his every song you can tell how confident he was and how like decisive he was in his his lyrics and the production. Definitely. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now transitioning to to division and inside Dallas signs, uh, cheers to the best memories review and just thoughts on how their sounds mesh. Um, in this latest latest album from this collab, you know, there's a middle ground that they're um seeking and balancing a '90s R&B feel along with uh contemporary R&B elements. And the two vocalists have you know distinct tones and tendencies. Uh, the album's best moments, you know, come in songs like Memories, where they build up the template to include a, t- a talk box and, and tiered harmonies. Uh, wedding Wedding Cake and Fight Club are also high points in the album, but um, just what were your initial thoughts on on this and how the album tried to invoke, you know, R&B greats of yesteryear and also the cast the current R&B, R&B sound of today? Because when I look at this album, I really feel as though if it, if they left, I believed it off. This might have been a perfect album, but but I believed it. It just it didn't feel it didn't fit the vibe of the album. Like every song to me, even the interludes and everything just really worked with what they were trying to go for. But I believed it. It just it sounded like a separate project or or, or a different element, like. What were kind of your thoughts on this album and just how these two combined into one sound? ABC, bro. Mm. That's not that's not a good thing. I think this the lyrics were just ABC, bro. Just like simple. There was no like, hold up. I pulled up some lyrics I wrote down. <laughs> hold up, where are they? Um, God made bad bees rude. <laughs> okay, bro. You didn't like rude? No, I'm talking about the lyric. Like, oh, the lyrics, the okay. lyrics, bro. It was just like, I don't know. I didn't like them together. Not a lot of depth? No, it wasn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's R&B, but a lot of R&B artists kind of, their writing is, look at her writing. Hers writing oh, yeah. is so Top dope. Notch. I mean, she's a poet too, but still, like, if you're going to combine a Ty Dolla Sign and Division, there has to be something sex, okay, cool, like, okay. All right, guys. Like, it, I just didn't like their collab. I didn't like them together. Wow. Mm, I didn't like it. Thumbs yeah. down from Save <laughs> Yeah, bro, I didn't like it together. Division, I don't think it was a, it was a, a like... A, you don't feel like it was just, a necessary collab? No. I, I mm. think, I know, I would say it was a necessary collab to show that they don't need to do it again. But... <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I think it's necessary One and for done. <laughs> no, I think it's necessary for r and I think... Yeah, it, it will show Ty Dolla Sign that you're lame. You should stay in there. Mm. And then Division, I think Division showed versatility by doing a collab, collab with Ty Dolla Sign because the, Division has range. We his first, yeah. first project, like yeah. you know what I'm saying, hallucination. Like his concepts are dope. Like just adding Ty Dolla Sign to it, it's just weird. It's just really weird. I didn't mm. think they gelled together. I think the lyrics was ABC, like you said, no depth. It, were, it has a couple of good songs, but it wasn't really something I was like, oh yeah, let's play Division and Todd Dolla Sign again. <laughs> you wouldn't go back to it. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> um, but 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 now transitioning to, to to Baby Kim and Kendrick Lamar's Family Ties review. Um, this latest track is the first collaboration between them, and you know it's split into two parts. Um, the first half is just you know triumphant with celebratory horns and, and Kim's lengthy verses. You know one of the best performances of his young career, and then. Kendrick's verse in the second half, you know, contains the beat switching completely and just um, becoming darker with, with nonsensical flow switches that expresses a newfound creative freedom. And, you know, even from his return announcement a couple of weeks ago, it's clear that, you know, his future is his own and he's really trying to make a statement coming back again, uh, making his last album with TDE. But just what were your initial thoughts on this song when it, you know, comes to Baby Keem's bright future and just also Kendrick's sudden return along with him um, reclaiming his spot as one of the best? Their label's going to be crazy, bro. Yes. Label that crazy is going to be crazy. Kendrick, man, I can't say enough about Kendrick. How, once again, confidence. 
how he delivers, how he finds different ways to say words, how to end the notes, where to end the notes, the melody, how to switch up his voice. Like, it's effortless for this guy. Nobody else does it like him. No, no. And I was just, I was, it's a, okay, I was thinking about, I was watching this new house party, right? And I was, heard, I was mm-hmm. listening to the intro. Um, um, Luther Vandross, how he used to end his notes. He didn't end them normally like other singers. He, he ended on weird ways. He ended over the nose sometimes. Like he ended it differently. And I just thought about Kendrick. Kendrick does that all the time. Just how Jay-Z raps on the back of the beat instead yeah. of over or under. He raps in the back and he's coined that. Kendrick does something with his voice. He makes words sound like he can say doo-doo and make it sound like, oh, bro, that's hard. Like, what? <laughs> like, he can make stupid words just sound crazy. His voice, I mean, just, I don't know, bro. The man can't miss. Dude is, dude's crazy. Dude's crazy. It's, it's insane. And, and I mean, with his, you know, in terms of the announcement that he made a couple weeks ago, just, you know, saying that he was, he had been in just a, a very different space, uh, you know, going like weeks or months without a phone, just like, really just trying to like settle things, you know, be, be away from the noise. Like, mm. like, what are your thoughts on just him, him making the, I, I mean, the, the T, the, the TDE factor is a very big announcement, him making his last project with TDE and also just where his mindset is out. Cause you can tell like from last year, the pandemic and everything, he was just kind of like just sitting and kind of just stewing and just thinking about what was his next move going to be and not really rushing into anything. I think at his career, he can do that. Yeah. At this stage of his career, I mean, then he was, I think one of the barbers was like, I was trying to dodge Corona or COVID or something like that, I think he said. But I think at this this place in his career, he can step back. He cannot use a phone for three, four months and just enjoy because he's already planning his, you know, his swag as one of the best MC rappers that ever stepped foot out of Compton or even just in the rap game, period. So when you're at that place, now you look at, outside of rap, outside of music, and you just want be, want to be happy. You just want to be you and find out what your new endeavors are. And now once you can leave rap, or not leave, or leave a label that kind of helped create and be out of space where, okay, now I can have other rappers be able to do that with this label with Baby King and, and do certain things that I want to do. So I think at this level, because if this was any other rapper, you, you wouldn't care. You couldn't do this. When he dropped this, everybody was like, yo, we've been waiting on this. So I think yes. he's at a stage of his career where he can just step away and be and do the things that he needs to do to have a peace of mind. I don't know about not having a cell phone for three or four months. That's <laughs> I go months without a phone. <laughs> right. I'll put it on. Do I, I, I don't know about that. Phone. I don't know if I can do that. I'm just being no. honest. I'm, be, I'm a realistic person. <laughs> yeah, put it on Do Not Disturb. Shoot. That's what I do. That's what I would do. Not just go without it. <laughs> I'll change my number or something. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, another thing, obviously, like like SZA, like she recently dropped three unreleased tracks and she's probably gearing up for another release. Like, did you have any thoughts on just what she's been, you know, I don't, I don't know if you were able to hear any of the songs, but like, have you any had any thoughts on just that process in terms of her just not releasing the song officially, but just kind of giving people like snippets to like what her cre- creative process has been before her second album. She dropped tracks? When did she drop tracks? It Well, it was it was in her bio where it was just like three unreleased songs and it just like gave people like a teaser to like what she's been working on. Um, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. See, see, and they're okay. That's a, that's the thing. That's a, that's a topic we're gonna say for next week. That's the topic I, we're gonna say yeah, for next week. I don't follow her on any social media, so I didn't hear any Got buzz it. or anything. Because most of the time, I'm still waiting for her to release that track on TikTok. Yeah, she she, she said she she said that one's coming next. So she's gonna re- she's about it to release that. One. Better. Like, yeah. I'm ready for her music, bro. Like, when you, you gotta said, put the like, push oh, notifications oh, on when you follow. <laughs> bro, I'm ready. Like, that's I'm telling you when when artists don't drop and they have good music and people mm-hmm. feel like, and man, I'm ready for it. But I'm gonna go. Yeah, we can say that for next week. But I'm gonna try to go and see if I can find them. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Remember the Titans review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our review of Remember the Titans. And to start with the overview, Remember the Titans is a 2000 biographical sports film produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and directed by Boaz Yakin. Uh, the screenplay written by Gregory Allen Howard is based on the true story of Coach Herman Boone, portrayed by Denzel Washington in his attempt to integrate the T.C. William High School football team in Alexandria, Virginia, 1971. Um, Will Patton portrays Bill Yost, Boone's assistant coach. Uh, real-life athletes Gary Pertier and Julius, Julius Cambar, portrayed by Ryan Hurst and Wood Harris, respectively. It had a budget of $30 million and brought in $136.8 million in the box office. Also has a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and is, you know, one of the most memorable sports movies just ever. Um, but kind of like, what were your initial thoughts of this film? You know, this has been replayed so many times and looked back at. Just also how, how there were just so much depth revealed of the characters. Man, I remember watching this movie so many times. The VCR <laughs> tape was broken. Yes, the VCR. <laughs> Bro, this movie is so dope from, you know, this desegregation to yeah. football family that you create, people coming together and making, come, you know, buying into situation. Yo, it had everything you want. It had romance. It had, you know, it's just, it was just a good film movie with a bit of reality as well, what people go, went through at that time and just highlighting certain things. So, yeah, top five. Top five greatest football movie ever. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, and interesting to to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I definitely think this, this was a four-star film as the leads are just exceptional and Denzel and Will Patton. And there's, you know, the emphasis of the players developing mutual trust, which is, you know, easily absorbed for the viewers. And this was just cleanly directed um, from one to four stars, what would you give it in some of your reasons? Four, for sure. Yeah. Um, Dizel played incredible. <laughs> as um, always. Yeah, <laughs> Just routine. As always. Will Patton, Will Patton, you know, you know, he was a great he was he was great um as the the coach too. There's a lot of supporting char- characters in her too. <laughs> Ryan Gosling in here. Mm. Wood Harris, man, another guy who's underrated when it comes to acting, man. The man can play. He can he can act his butt off. I don't think he gets enough uh, credit as well because he's played in a lot of movies that we love today. Um, but just having these supporting actors and having a big name like Denzel had everything, man. It was an incredible film. Four stars for sure. Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, like, there's there's something about having a memorable sports movie and not being cliche or just, like, fitting in with the other ones. Like, do you think... You think? I mean, obviously, it's 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 tough to make any type of film. But do you think sometimes with the sports film franchises, it can be a kind of like a little more challenging to separate from the pack because so many times people can say, "Oh, well, it reminds me of that sports movie or that sports movie that I saw." Like, do you feel as though that can be kind of a different challenge for for a sports film franchise? Well, I think they had the upper hand because it was based off a true story. Yes, they kind of you know 
added their little spazzes here and there, certain scenes that didn't happen, well, it happened in real life. But I think they had the upper hand because it was based off a true story. Because a lot yeah. of films that people create are not, you know, obviously based off true stories. It's writers coming together trying to make a football film. But I think with this, it, they had the, the foundation of where they wanted to go and how they wanted to pull on people's heartstrings or how they wanted to, uh, I guess, you know, talk about certain things that happened in those times. Desegregation was a big, a big, big uproar for a lot of communities. Mm-hmm. But just highlighting that and how they did it, I think, was really good um, for both sides. So I think that's what the upper hand was. I think for them, it was kind of different because it was based off a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now transitioning to uh, favorite character, I personally would have Julius as. You know, from his mm-hmm. delivering the wanting to get my speech to bringing the team together via his relationship with Jerry, he just was really one of the cornerstones of the team and this movie in totality. Um, to mm-hmm. you, kind of like who is your particular favorite character in this one? Ooh, that's tough. Okay, it's out of Petey Jones <laughs> <laughs> and Louis Elastic, man. I don't know why. It was like the funny side of it. Like, you know, every yeah. movie was going to have a funny, but I think Petey was so funny. Um, especially he was like, you drop the ball, you run a mile or something like that. And then Petey going to defense because he was a big part of just, I don't know, his character was a big part of the, the football team. Him going mm-hmm. from running back to DB and being, you know, excellent at it. I think he, he played a role, and he was funny as crap, too, so. Definitely. Um, transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, I had um, first team meeting. Uh, also, mm-hmm. Attitude Reflects Leadership, where teammates uh, uh, Jerry and, and Julius have a heart-to-heart discussion. Um, Gettysburg, Coach Boone talks to the team about Gettysburg and coming mm-hmm. together and showing respect. Um, the school in- integrated uh, high expectations for all, where Coach Boone and assistant, you know, Yost reinforced treating all students equally and holding, you know, everyone accountable mm-hmm. to the same high expectations. Um, Sunshine moves to Virginia and is uh, introduced to the team. <laughs> the, the, the Sunshine and Jerry locker room fights. Man, the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I mean, obviously, the, the uh, with with Gary's uh, car accident and the team yeah. visiting him in the hospital. Hospital. That's just one that was just a very you know sentimental, uh, just just really tough emotional type of uh, uh, um, just aura to that uh, particular setting, but. Kind of like what were some of your most memorable scenes in this one? I'll give you two. When um, Gary's going to play basketball with Julius and his mom stopped him. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, I'm going to play basketball, blah, 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 blah. You can tell the difference of the teachings of racism or the teachings of hating someone or not wanting to be part of that because of their parents. Because they're not being like you. Exactly. So it kind of, he was like, well, I don't see him as that. I used to, but I don't see him like that anymore, but you still do. So I think that was a a good part they put in there to show generations how people see each other. I see this person this way because my parents saw these people this way, but actually I got this, you know, meet him and talk to him. This guy is actually cool. And then that causes friction at practice because I already knew he wasn't going to show up. Now Julius is mad. Um, Another one was when the first time Gary was trying to introduce his girlfriend to Julius, he reached out his hand and she just walked away. The second time after he got in his accident and then she came, I think she gave him a hug or something. I can't remember. It's been so long. But just to change, a, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I like how they did that. It wasn't un, too unrealistic, but just the generation, you know what I mean? I thought that was a, a dope scene for both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, Some people definitely. are willing to try to change, have a change of heart than staying stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and interesting to most memorable quotes, um, I have, this is no democracy. Um, it is a dictatorship. I am the law from Coach Boone. Um, attitude reflects leadership. Captain from Julius. Um, I'm a winner. I'm going to win from Coach Boone. In Virginia, high school football is a way of life. It's bigger than Christmas Day from Cheryl Yost. Then finally, your Hall of Famer in my book from from Coach Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what were some of, uh, of the quotes that stood out to you in this one? And I'm mean, obviously like there are a lot of ones that are that are gone back to and 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 listened to. But which ones did, did kind of like stood out to you the most? Um, going back to Petey and um, um, Louis Lasting, he was like, uh, <laughs> "What happened to you, man?" He was like, "Man, I just gave your mom a piggyback ride. She weighs twice as much as I do." <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And then left side, strong mm-hmm. side. Oh, yes. Yeah, bro. That was, you know what I mean? Um, that was really dope. Those are two that kind of stood out when I've been trying to go in the rabbit hole and pick somewhere out, but those definitely was good. Definitely. Um, and, and now interesting to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to, to me, just how it was um, a good drama that is based on real events and does mm-hmm. something a bit different than your normal genre film. And it tackles, you know, an important subject that goes beyond the sports uh, dramatic genre. I thought that was just a, a really like interesting mm-hmm. way to, to bring the movie together. Kind of like what particular element of this storyline did you like the most? Ooh. I felt like it was realistic yeah. and it really pandered to that from the school fights when Bertier and Julius was trying to break up the fight. Cause Petey was talking to the white girl talking about sunshine, whatever. And then the black kids calling Julius Uncle Tom. I know you ain't calling me Uncle Tom. Y'all be, all right, y'all better step. It, that's realistic. Yeah. I, it was so realistic at that time. And then Bertier, you know, tried to be the good guy. And the, his, you know what I mean? So I thought it was so realistic. And it really highlighted how football brings people together. And that's so realistic. And if you ever yes. play any, not even football, just sports. Sports bring people together whether you like it or not. So I thought that they had a realistic element to it. Even though it was based off the true story, they kind of, you know, did some things that wasn't, you know, true or not, but they just added that element to just make it realistic. That was the most important thing. Definitely. It, it, it really was. And I mean, in, in terms of, you know, we, we talk about Denzel so much, but in terms of mm-hmm. what he did in this role and how he was able to act as a coach and, and be in a different type of lane, like, what did that like show you? Because there's so many. I feel like it, it can go on and on to sa- almost sound cliche about what we talk about mm-hmm. Denzel, but it really is different. Like the type of acting that he puts together decade after decade. Like what this did this particular performance just show you in terms of like Denzel being in a different type of lane and mm-hmm. having a different set of responsibilities for the particular role that he delivered. So I, I know a lot of people think this role was just like mm, he's just playing the uh, head coach. It's not hard. It's not. It's not easy to play mm. a coach. You can be so cliche of playing a coach. Look at Tay Diggs in All-American. Yes. The worst coach ever. His demeanor, <laughs> how he talks, worst coach ever. Denzel had that demeanor. Oh, I'm sorry. We got to have an All-American. We got to have All-American talk one of these days. <laughs> All-American I update, what we think about how the show coach. is heading. <laughs> he's the worst coach ever. Like him playing the dad role, perfect. But him oh, yeah, he's, coach, he's a perfect as a dad. Yeah, but him playing a head coach and, like, being a coach, look, your demeanor is off. It's, Denzel had the demeanor. He had the, the, the way he talked, the way you look at players, the facial expressions you use when you look. Like, he had it down to a T, like, to a T. It reminded yes. me of my head coaches. So it's like, 
bro, it's not easy to play a head coach and have the exact demeanor, when to do it, when to say it, how to walk, how to move, how to run down the sideline. Like, bro, it takes – I'm telling you, man, Denzel is what I don't – oh, boy, he, give me some of that, Denzel, or you give it to your son, so never mind. John David Washington. <laughs> hey, he's getting better, bro. He's getting he is. better. His latest yes. project was dope. Y- yes. I really like that one. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, Malcolm and Marie. It's okay. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but I like Tenet. I like Tenet, though. It's coming back. It's coming back around. The Nolan effect. Just had to add that in there. Just had to add Just that in there. The Nolan effect. <laughs> Just had to add that in there. The what Malcolm and Marie. You're funny, man. <laughs> Trent, Trent's going to get a kick out of hearing this, the Nolan effect. Trent's going to be like, my man. <laughs> the Nolan effect. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, but, but getting to our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Like, it, it obviously will because it, it's just been watchable for so many years. Um, it's a type of sports film that will be revisited for years and um, just an inspiring football drama that really brings history to life. Um, what do you think will will continue to make this a watchable, intriguing movie another decade from now? Besides the desegregation and bringing people two different races together in the same freaking school, then facing different battles from different neighborhoods and do all this stuff. Besides that, they were raw, bro. They used to kick butt. Like this yes. team was raw. So you love sports and you know your history about them. They were raw. Man, super goodness. raw. So just like, just to have that element, just have that realistic element, they were really good for years. So outside of those things and, you know, Rally and Denzel being one of the lead actors, just, man, this this film was, I mean, you can't say enough about this film. For real. Yeah. You, you really can't. Was there like, because I mean, this was this was the type of cast where you, you look back and see some guys that were, you know, their careers probably went a, went a little differently. Like in terms of like Wood, a, a guy like Wood Harris, who's been in different roles. He was, you know, mm-hmm. in The Wire, in Creed. Like what kind of, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on, on his particular, just on his role and also how his career has played out? Because he's been in, in a, a wide variety of type of movies and even shows. Yes. yes. And he's, he's done different. Like you, he was the uncle and the buy-up of, uh, was it New Edi- New Edition? Yes. Playing that role or playing in Above the Rim. Like you say, he played in um, The Wire. He played in um, some other, like, supporting cast. He's had, he has a, a luxurious um, catalog. It's slept on. It's slept yeah. on. Yeah. Whether it's a supporting actor, I don't think he ever had, like, a leading role. But every role he's played, he's... And his brother's not too bad either. I didn't know his brother played in uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I never knew that was his brother. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I did not brother. know that. <laughs> The dude that wow. looked like the turtle, yeah. <laughs> like Franklin. Lip the, like Franklin. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's his real brother. I'm not lying. Wow. But Man. no, you, you look at gives word of the days and the fact of the day. This, <laughs> this is this is his podcast. <laughs> No, man, I'm just, you know, doing what I got to do, doing my part. But no, Ryan Gosling, too, his career. Yes, oh my goodness, his career went up. Went up after this. It's a, um, Hayden, Hayden's career went, you know, sort of, kind of. She had a decent career. She had a couple shows that she was on. Um, Ryan Hurst? Has Ryan Hurst been in a lot of stuff? I haven't heard much much Uh, about him. 
think so. He's played. Well, Donald Faison. Donald Faison obviously has been in a lot. Yeah, he's been in. He's been in a couple of supporting. He had the hit show. Um, when he Scrubs. Was yeah, Scrubs. Yeah, that's what I think was his top of his career. breakout. Yeah, so this is a couple other artists, I mean, actors in here. Obviously, Will Payton went on to do some mm-hmm. good things, and Denzel Washington, obviously. So, absolutely. Um, well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm host Winter Burns, along with Counterpart Savon Morse. This has been Full Scope. See you later.